Podcast about the music that's traveled by the co-host who's normally here and a kid who grew up watching Lawrence Welk. <laughs> what is that? L- Lawrence Welk, the the polka musician oh. from like the fifties and sixties. Okay, like didn't he have? <laughs> he like, had some a sort music show. variety show. Okay, yeah, he's like this. Yeah, like like um, Midwestern Polish American guy who uh, was an accordion player and led a, like kind of a Polish version of a big band for <laughs> decades. And I grew up watching him on Sundays on TV because that was some of the only music on television. It was like PBS, right? Yep. <laughs> oh, oh, and your name is? I'm Phyllis Fletcher. Yay! I, I hear that you're an award winner. <laughs> like i'm so kind of oh. nervous about this <laughs> oh dear well please don't be um a pretty award uh, winner an yes. extraordinaire <laughs> yes i i'm very very honored and it was um really amazing to have people say nice things about me as such as a as a part of that award but um trust me within 24 hours they were treating me like normal <laughs> which is appropriate so so asking about so, deadlines yeah. and making sure everything is oh, yeah. all lined up and everything so um can you yes, tell us a little absolutely. bit about yourself Phyllis Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in Seattle and I still work here in Seattle. I I went away for college, but other than that, I've lived here the whole time. And um, in college, I was the kind of person who would skip class to listen to Howard Stern um, (laughs) and even Rush Limbaugh (laughs) Um, because my friends, some of my friends were getting into Rush Limbaugh. And I said, you know, I have to listen to this to understand it. So I would listen to basically any loudmouth white guy with a microphone in the 90s. And, um, and I just I grew to really love the medium, but I still never thought of it as something that I could do myself. It took me almost a decade to come around to that. And in the intervening time, I, um, I worked in social services, and I worked in software. And I eventually came around to the realization that I really love the radio so much that I should probably be making radio instead of just consuming radio. So I started as a volunteer in the pledge drive answering phones and I worked my way up from there. Oh, so now that you can be the loudmouth white guy, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I do I do little a, a little homage to Rush Limbaugh when I am raising money um in a pledge drive, when they have me on the air, I will often rustle my papers like Rush Limbaugh for dramatic effect. Oh, and I will I, call attention to it. <laughs> I forgot he did that, but I remember I listened to him when oh, I was yeah. a little kid because one of my parents yeah. was really into Rush Limbaugh. And I remember thinking yeah. as a, like, a five-year-old, I'm like, I don't know if I agree with this guy, but right. he really <laughs> yes. is convinced of what he says. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And that's, that's part of what's so fascinating um, to 
listen to him is that, um, you know, radio, when people have opinions, it's, it's very compelling listening. And um, that's why I'm excited to be on Earbuds and Earworms because it is a type of show where I can freely give my opinion and be excited about something. And, um, and I love that. Yeah, it's great. I'm excited to have you. And of course, like our oh, show is you. different than it normally is. And we're going to be mm-hmm. doing um, we're essentially doing a re like a redo version kind of of what we did with Mike Frizzell, which is the why are you so into this? Because I want yes. to hear the songs that you are super into and then why you were so into them. It's kind of yeah. a, a throwback to a I mean, we both listen to TBTL which is another mm-hmm. podcast. And so it's kind of like this old thing they used to do called Defend Yourself uh, about music, but mm-hmm. we're going to be less, you know, we don't make fun of each other for it. So, <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a so, less antagonistic Defend Yourself. I'm into it. You did bring three songs that I've never heard of before. So can you tell oh, me? Oh, great. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your first one? Yeah, I'm excited too. So, um... When I was when I was in college, like the last about the last two years of college, um, I was dating someone I was really deeply in love with, and he broke up with me. <laughs> um, oh. And it was one of those things where um, it's like it was probably a long time coming, but I still, you know, I didn't see it, and then boom. Um, we were no longer together and I was very, very upset. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, managing my emotions around that was a huge challenge. And I think that a lot of my friends were worried about me. A lot of my family were worried about me because they were used to me being kind of like, kind of like the person you hear on TBTL where (laughs) it's just everything is fun and it's like, it's so cool. And, and, um, you know, just really enjoying things. And I was very much not enjoying things and was very upset. And, um, one of my dear friends to this day, my friend Jay said, why don't you go and buy yourself some new music? (laughs) And, um, I would try anything at that point. And so I was like, Okay, I'm gonna buy some new music, and um, this was <clears throat> this was 1995, so it was very much in the era of CDs, and oh, I yeah. had a little CD, yeah, Discman, and so um, you know I went to uh, a music store, like I probably went to Tower Records. Um, I was I was living in Manhattan at the time, so I, and I was just about to move back home, and um, I went and bought a. Um, a CD press of a Tito Puente album. I had always been fascinated by Tito Puente because he plays um, or played, but at that point he was still alive. Uh, mm-hmm. He played a set of drums called timbales that are like what Sheila E plays. Um, she's uh, she and Tito Puente are probably the most famous timbale players. They're like um, band leaders who play the timbales, and so they're like two drums. You stand up. They're sh- they're kind of like shallow tom toms. Okay, and. Um, you stand up and you play them um, and, uh, with, with a pair of sticks. And a lot of times there's a cowbell off to the side. <laughs> and, um, and you can kind of like um, Tito and um, Sheila E. both, they were, you know, and Sheila E. still is, like very dynamic band leaders. So they, would, they were kind of the front men of their band 
um, playing timbales and like a lot of times dancing and singing while they're playing. <laughs> and I just really admire people who can do that. And they're, um, you know, they're great musicians and I didn't have any Tito Puente music. So um, I went and bought this, uh, this album called Cuban Carnival. And this is one of the songs that still uh, makes me happy when I hear it. And it's called <laughs> Guaguanco Margarito. <laughs> super happy to listen to it yeah it's like when you can't really sit down and listen to it without like shimmying and uh i played the music yep. i played the music to my five-year-old and she was just like oh let's dance it's time to dance and it, it seriously <laughs> yeah makes you just so happy and yeah. it has a classic sound that i felt like i'd heard the song before but i don't know if mm-hmm. i had i mean is it mm-hmm. is it a classic standard yeah, there are lots of different versions of this song, which I didn't know um, until probably until I saw him live a few decades later. And um, and I just started looking into this song because I could see it was one that they still performed. Mm-hmm. And um, and they would a lot of times the vocalist would slightly change the lyrics. Um, but I was like, what is this song? And then I looked it up again in preparation for doing this show. And I saw that there were there have been a lot of versions of it over time. And I don't think this was even necessarily the first one. Um, but uh, it's it a lot of his versions of things are among the more popular versions of that thing. And this is one of them. And I just I love it so much. It's a joyful song. It really is one of those things. Yeah, it's a great song. And, um, and uh, I love how it lets the vocalist kind of show his flair. And um, it really is one of those songs that it did help me pry me out of that depression that I was in. Um, And I really owe my friend Jay for that. And I don't even know that I've ever told him that. So I'm definitely going to send him this and and let him know that this is one of the more memorable songs from his suggestion that I get some new music. And I really, I came to love Tito Puente so much from that, that um, I bought a bunch of other um, albums and compilations of his stuff. And I saw him live several times. And I'm grateful for that, too. I even got my picture taken with him once backstage. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. That is really, <laughs> really cool. Yeah. And I started playing timbales too. <laughs> um, I played timbales for maybe about five years um, when I was, before I got into radio. Wow. Um, I was like looking for a lot of hobbies back then, I think. And I uh, feel like this is like, like a you hidden know what? talent though that people <laughs> need to know about. <laughs> Do you well, still have your timbales? I, 
I don't. I um I lent them to somebody and I think it basically became like a permanent loan because ah. I was years I lent them I left them at his house and I was like cuz we would kind of jam out together and stuff. Mm-hmm. And after a while I was like, man, I never really did know that guy that well and I really have nobody else to blame but myself <laughs> if, you know, they're not around anymore. So I'm only going to call him once. And I left the guy a message and said, "Hey, don't know if you'd remember me. I left my timbales at your house a long time ago. I lived in an apartment at that time, so I couldn't play them at my house. But I have, an, I have a house now. So if you still have them, I would love to get them back. If you don't, it's okay. You don't have to call me and explain. I'm only going to call you I'm only going to call you once. And I kept to my word and I never called him again. So I presume that he either moved with them or sold them or wanted to keep them or something. And it had been so long and I had gotten such a good deal on them that I was like, I can't even trip. I got to let the dude keep the timbales. So I did. (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. Maybe they're like some sort of like there's probably like a traveling story involved with these timbales now. (laughs) I hope so. I hope there's I hope someone's playing the shit out of them right now. Oh, They're I, an awesome, awesome drum. I just, I love timbales, so I hope someone's doing that. Well, I feel like I, it's hard to follow up with that story now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One of those songs of mine that you, um, you decided to go with and hear the story was Weird Al's Albuquerque. <laughs> so anyway, he burst into my room and he grabbed my lucky snorkel and I'm like, hey, you can't have that. That snorkel's been just like a snorkel to me. And he's like, tough. And I'm like, give it. And he's like, make me. And I'm like, okay. So I grabbed his leg and he grabbed my esophagus and I bit off his ear and he chewed off my eyebrows and I took out his appendix and he gave me a colonic irrigation. Yes, indeed, you better believe it. And somehow in the middle of it all, the phone got knocked off the hook. And 20 seconds later, I heard a familiar voice. And you know what it said? I'll tell you what it said. It said, if you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I I wanted to know about that one um, when you gave me some choices because I love Weird Al. I've seen him in concert five times. I'm so and, jealous. Uh, he was the first. <laughs> he was the first. I've even met him and got his autograph. <laughs> and um, he was the first concert. Like there's concerts that you you know have to go to with your parents or whatever when you're real little. But like mm-hmm. that was that was my first concert. Like capital M, capital F, capital C, because yes. that was the first concert where I was like, Mom. Weird Al's coming. I, I really want to see him. You know, <laughs> yeah. And you know, she got us tickets, and and we went. And um, I've seen him four other times since then. But when you had a Weird Al song on there, I was like, okay, I gotta know why Albuquerque. What's up with that? Well, it was um, so Running with Scissors came out in the summer of 1999, and so mm-hmm. uh, my brother and I got kind of obsessed with the album because we were we were yeah. 13 years old and we didn't, yeah. you know, growing up in rural Tennessee, we really didn't like country mm-hmm. music. So there, it was kind of hard to come across music. And I think it may have been my brother's first CD purchase, even though like a couple of years ago we'd had gotten, or like two years before that, we'd gotten CD players. 
he really went all in on this running with scissors. And so we would sit in his bedroom <laughs> and memorize yeah. all of Albuquerque, which is <laughs> listeners of the show know I hate long songs. And this is like mm-hmm. a near 12 minute song. But there's something yep. about being a kid and memorizing all the words to something as ridiculous as Albuquerque with this crazy yep. story that you don't really know where it's going until you, you know, <laughs> yeah. listen to it 50 times and memorized all the words. And I was just yeah. like, I just, <laughs> it gives me such like good feelings thinking about it. Like it even takes me back to the room because my brother at that point still had the twin uh, the twin bunk beds that we had because we used to share a room. Aww. And so yeah. we would like sit in there and huddle around and like play this on his little boom box. And it was just so much fun. And so every single time I listen to the song, it makes me think of it, even though it doesn't really have uh. like a great like hook or anything except for Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just, there, there's so much glee in it and ridiculousness that just, makes me so happy it's one of my favorite weird al songs and i i just i was like i cannot not put that song in here because it's so good it's ridiculous that's great good and it's yeah he's brilliant oh yeah yeah. yep there's there's a there's a podcast that as of a couple weeks ago was looking for you know what's your favorite weird al original are you talking about Um, eureka podcast Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, Did you was, chime in on that? I tweeted about Albuquerque. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I hope they mention it on there. Oh, they did. It made, I believe, Jeremy's number three spot. But I think it should. Oh, word. One. Yes. Of course. But you should listen to that episode because it is that is like an hour of pure glee listening to Weird Al. Oh, he is so. That's awesome. I am gonna listen to that. He's it, amazing. Yeah, and um. Because also, my brother loved, like, these kind of comedy things, too. Uh, it ended mm-hmm. up being our summer of finding out about George Carlin. And when you're 13 oh, and you great. get to read, like, um, all of the George Carlin comedy collections. And you feel so bad because yeah. there's curse words in it. So I was just like, oh, yeah, it was such a good year for ridiculousness in my family with that. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's so awesome. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, is your story of uh, Ina Ray Hutton and her melodiers nearly as uh, amusing? Well, let's see what you think. They had to have something new, dancing do up there in Harlem, though. Someone started trucking. As soon as the news got round, folks downtown came up to Harlem, saw everybody trucking. It didn't take long before the hi-hats were doing it, Park Avenue and it all over town. You'd see them scuffling, shuffling, trucking along. It spread like a forest blaze, became a craze and bang to Harlem now. Everybody's trucking. So 
The song I picked is called Truckin', and it's a Fats Waller song that mm-hmm. she did a cover of. And um, it's the first song that I saw, um, I saw a film of her performing it. And my story about Ina Ray Hutton is that um, at, at my uh, radio station at the time, KUOW, um, we had a swing music show every Saturday night. And wow. it has a longtime host. And um, it, the show just ended this year. Aww. But at that time, um, it had been on for decades. It's a, it was an amazing show. I loved it. It was five hours of swing music every Saturday. And um, the the fill-in, the like backup host for the show, quit very br- abruptly and very um, very uh, publicly from from the radio station. He was the <laughs> midday host, and one of his duties was that he would be the backup host for the show. And um, the thing is, the regular host for the show had a bunch of vacation planned. And um, we were friends at the office, and I was like, man, you know, like, what are you going to do? And, you know, she didn't know. And I said, man, if they'll let me, I would fill in. I don't know anything about the era specifically other than, you know, listening to the show. Um, you know, but I love that. I love all that music and I'd be happy to learn. And so, um, she, um, you know, she went to the program director and to my boss to ask if they would be okay with my doing that. And they said, yeah. And so I ended up hosting the show about five times and I really enjoyed it. I found it very challenging and difficult, but I really, really liked doing it. And, um, the 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 thing is um you know since i didn't know the era that well or the collection that we had at work she gave me a tour of <laughs> our collection and pointed things out and she said you know try um every hour to play at least one female band leader um like oh. uh this one and she pulled the cd off the shelf and um and it said Ina Ray Hutton and her Melodiers, and it, she was known as the blonde bombshell <laughs> of swing. And um, so there was this like kind of movie star portrait of her on the back. This this was like probably in the 1930s, and um, and she had this you know like fantastic bleach blonde hair, and like the um, curls and actually this just right too. Like, oh yeah, have, like, just a yeah, wave? gorgeous. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It, it was awesome. And and the thing is, actually, this this CD was um, Ina Ray Hutton and her orchestra, and so that was a phase of her career where, and when she was doing the Melodiers, it was all women, um, and that's what Truckin is. That's all women. But there was this um, later wow. phase of her career where she led an orchestra that wasn't all women. Um, it was men, and she was, I think, trying to be taken more seriously as a musician. And mm-hmm. so when you turn over the CD on the front of it was um, was her with a less bombshell look. It was a more conservative look. Mm-hmm. And the orchestra was all men and she was holding the baton and her hair was back to being brunette. And there was something about that look and something about her face where I was like, that's this chick is black, right? And the um, the swing music host uh, who was showing me around said, you know, I don't think so. And I was like, yeah, they wouldn't call a black chick a blonde bombshell. Like that would be like incongruous right. with the kind of image at the time. But um, I ended up looking up her census records and she was part black. And – um, yeah, and I ended up just kind of mentioning that when I was filling in. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years later, like my husband and I were looking her up on Wikipedia and noticing that nobody else had mentioned this. 
And we were like, that's so weird. And I was yeah. like, I wonder if, I mean, somebody else somewhere has got to know this, right? And so I looked up who her closest living relatives were and I called them and they didn't know. Wow. And so I ended up writing a Black History article about it for this online um, Black History Encyclopedia. And um, I was getting my master's degree at the time. And um, when I was finally done with that, I I did a radio piece about it. Wow. And it, um, it, I, I interviewed her niece for that. And I interviewed a, um, like a black music historian. And um, I really, it's a piece, I haven't listened to it in a while, but I opened it with this song, Truckin', because I think it's such a great song. And something that's really cool when you watch it is you watch her dancing and you're like, that is not a white woman. <laughs> There's no way. And and it turns out she took tap as a little kid from a black woman who taught tap in South Chicago where she grew up. Okay. Um, and that was part of it too, was looking up uh, old newspaper articles about her and stuff. And what happened was um, – you know, when she was little, she went by, by this completely other name. And then by the time she was a teenager, she was still light enough to pass for white. And basically, her, it appears that her grandmother made the decision to have her start passing for white and uh, send her to New York, where she danced with the Ziegfeld Follies, which was all white at the time. Wow. And um, she continued her career under this name, Ina Ray Hutton, um, all the way until her death. So she basically passed for white from her childhood through her death. That is but that tap, man, so when you watch this old footage of her tapping, you will trip out because you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely like the way she syncopates her tap yeah. and, and um, clapping and stuff. It's like that that's that's <laughs> not white lady tapping. <laughs> that's oh, something wow. else. That just blew yeah. my mind. And now, like... Oh, cool. <laughs> I Like, the first part kind of blew my mind. I was like, okay, she she was a woman band leader with an all-woman, with the Melodiers, all being women. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's yeah. so interesting. And then you just kind of, like, blew my mind, grapes. Wow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> that is so cool. I want, like... I, cool. I feel like I should be, like, shoving this uh, song into everybody's hands now. Because I'm like, oh. I oh. love it. I just, I still love watching her do it. I mean, she's so amazing. And there are other ones too where, you know, she wears even skimpier costumes and she's, you know, she's rocking it. Like she was <laughs> definitely hot. <laughs> she yes. was hot. And, like, and that boss. makes it really fun to watch too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And she was a boss, you know? I mean, she's, she was amazing and um and her her niece who i interviewed for this was awesome her nephew also i'm, I'm facebook friends with her nephew and with her grandniece <laughs> um it's cool. it's neat i feel this connection to her forever now and it's partly because i mean when i looked at that picture of her with, with the brunette hair she looked like a like 1930s extremely hot version of me uh i, I i'm like kind of speechless because i'm like oh that's so cool <laughs> cool so, i feel okay, so yeah, like kind of um, like shallow now with my next song <laughs> no no this is all you know <laughs> i'm so. i'm curious about coheed and cambria because i listen to howard stern every day oh, really? and one of his um yeah one of his producers is also a metal drummer and his favorite band is Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, and, I and brought, that's the only thing I know about them. So I brought probably their biggest, I guess, uh, most mainstream hit, which is Favorite House Atlantic. Right. 
Um, I was a total emo kid in high school. So 2000, cool. 2004, straight edge. I like I listened to Thursday. I listened to all of them, and I was trying to get more into um, you know music. But Coheed and Cambry, they're kind of this progressive rock band, kind of reminiscent of Rush, but with like way bigger storylines. And oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the lead singer is a total geek. Like I kind of am, and cool. he writes comic books to go with the albums, and so you yeah. can you can buy these comic books that go with this whole storyline. Which Coheed and Cambria is the band's name, but it's also two characters in this overarching like four part album storyline, uh, and it's like a space opera. But I still don't quite cool. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they sound a little like Rush because of the the singer's voice is really high, but they are so yeah. good at their instruments. But it's not like a lot of very talented people who make kind of like this a uh, huge, uh, I guess, effort to really show off how good they are at their instruments. I feel like their music <laughs> is really listenable. It's not just saying I'm really good at this technique. This will also make yeah. you sing to it. So it's it's kind of dark. I didn't let my daughter listen to this one because I was like, mm, I don't know if I want her talking about shooters so mm -hmm. or snipers or anything. Mm -hmm. But I just, yeah. this song was the first song I heard from them. And it is so like kind of this pop metal and it's very fast and it's very rhythmic. And it just reminds me of high school and, you know, armbands, you know, when you have to have your wristbands that match your <laughs> jinkos. You just got to do that and, yes. and carrying around a skateboard because yes. you don't know how to ride a skateboard. So you just have a skateboard. <laughs> I was trying to be hard. <laughs> All that stuff sounds strangely familiar, even though I think I'm a slightly older vintage than you. <laughs> but just with the, like, you know, you carry the skateboard because you can't ride the skateboard. I'm like, yeah, that's like totally universal concept. Well, <laughs> that's really did, cool. <laughs> did you did you have some sort of Jinko's brand pants at some point, or like were you lucky enough to? Not? Dude, I'm not even hip. I'm not even hip to that. That sounds cool though. Do you know what Jinko's? <laughs> was are? it cool? Or was it not cool? No, no. Oh, Jinko's. I guess they're the pants of my generation for high school. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. So cool. They're about the the bottoms of the hems are about thirty to thirty six inches around for each leg. Okay. Oh. So they're like skater So like pants. raver kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're ridiculous. Yeah, that's but... cool. <laughs> I don't know if you would yeah. say cool, but <laughs> we thought it was. <laughs> I so. think that's awesome. That's the big pants is a totally hilarious thing to look back on for sure. Like oh, I like big that. Pants that's and funny. Like jerseys that show your midriff. Like it's a giant jersey yeah. that got caught. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> something happened to this shirt. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> well, and that's how you know you're hardcore is because you listen to <laughs> you listen to Coheed and yeah. Cambria. You have your skateboard and your jinkos, and you're just so awesome that you listen. <laughs> that's right. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> but they're actually good musicians, which is better than like a lot of the other stuff I listened to during that time period. So yeah, <laughs> some forty one. Yeah. I listened to a lot of some forty one, and I didn't put that on the playlist because that stuff. Ooh. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you're cool. The last song that I picked from your list was Three L W No More. Baby, yes. I'ma do right. <laughs> I just wanna know what happened to our love. 
year boy in the eighth grade And you ain't big baby boy So no it ain't one more chance When your friends around you don't wanna hold my hand And now you see a girl smiling and wildin' inside the mix Hopping out the whips, the whips, the five and six Yes, fly chrome, supporting my tone Here go, you I do go, or I love this song. So it's the most bubblegummy of bubblegummy songs from the year 2000. And I know, I think it was actually um, like kind of 99-ish, 2000-ish, but it was like a, it was a hit in 2000. And I know that because um, that is when um, it's, that's when I helped my mom get her condo. She rented uh, her whole life and my whole life up until I was um, in my late 20s. And I was still in software at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was in a position to help her buy a place for the first time. And it was a really tough time for us in a lot of ways. Um, She... um, she was was still working and Seattle was just starting to get pretty expensive and um she had been in the same apartment building for for uh you know almost 30 years at that point and um and it was just getting kind of it, it was at the point where I was like, you know, it would be smart if we could get you something right now. It would be good. I can help you. Um you know, I was re- I was prepared to provide the down payment, and she started looking and was really disillusioned with what she found because it was one of those things where, like, she was able to afford a pretty good apartment, but all the condos we were able to look at that were, like, in the city and on a bus line because she doesn't drive, mm-hmm. um, all of those were studios. And it was um, getting really discouraging because she had you know, she had a one bedroom when I was growing up. She had been able to afford moving into a two bedroom. Uh-huh. And, you know, so this was like, you know, it felt like a huge step back. But I was like, financially, it's a huge step forward and we should do it. And then her jerk face landlord um, came up with a uh, very flimsy reason to evict her, which is actually very easy in Seattle to do. There's oh. no, because of the, our state constitution in Washington, there's nothing, you know, the landlord, all they have to do is say, I want to move into your unit or I want a, f- a family member of mine to move into your unit. What? And then that's it. Like the tenant doesn't need to have done anything wrong or the landlord doesn't need to prove anything. They oh, just need wow. to say that. And the, my mom had lived in this building through many, many landlords, but this landlord had never really liked my mom. And she just like said that one day. And I was like, okay, that sucks, but it does kind of force our decision here. And so we um, looked and looked and eventually my mom just kind of gave up and was like, I'll take this one. So it wasn't like that kind of triumphant, like home owning decision that you see in commercials. Like it was very much like felt like a resignation. And so it wasn't that fun. And, um, you know, I know that she like kind of intellectually knew that it was good, but it just didn't feel good. And, you know, I was the one who kind of started the whole process and it ended up being a good thing that we had gotten a certain amount through the process before, um, you know, 
before uh, she actually received any eviction notice, but right. it's still just none of it felt great. And so part of it was, since this was the building that I had grown up in, my mom had all this stuff in the basement that was from my childhood. And, you know, she didn't really want to part with any of it, but her storage in the condo was going to also be smaller. And so we just had to get rid of stuff. And so I was just like, I will do it. Like, I did it by myself because I didn't want her, you know, stopping every single thing and saying, well, no, I want to keep this because of that. And don't you want to keep this because of X, Y, Z? Like, I just was purging stuff. And the only radio station I could get in my mom's old basement was Cube 93, which is... (laughs) like a um, top top 20 R&B station. And this and I'm Sorry Miss Jackson were the big hits at the time. And their playlist is very, very small. So I would be in my mom's basement for like 8, 10, 12 hours at a time. And I would hear this song probably that many times. <laughs> like I would hear it at least like once an hour because wow. they only count on people listening for like 15 minutes at a time. And so they rotate these songs through pretty quickly so that – if anyone's turning on the radio, there's a good chance they'll hear it and they'll be like, ooh, this is my song, you know. And so um, so I, you know, it was one of those things where like it veered from like, you know, oh, wow, that's kind of that's kind of poppy. I'm kind of <laughs> dinging it to like, oh, this is really bugging me to like eventually I loved it because I learned all the words and I could sing the whole thing. And so I was doing this very surreal, very like kind of sad task of throwing out my own childhood. I was listening to this bubblegum song of, you know, girls that were, you know, about in ninth grade singing about being in the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And um, I can still sing the song. And I can tell you, if you, if you go to karaoke, memorize the rap because the they won't put the rap up there you have to just start going for it and if you hesitate and wait for the lyrics they'll never come and so you have to just decide that you're doing it <laughs> so okay. so what i should do yeah. whenever i'm in seattle in I yes. think august is go to mandarin yeah. grill and have this memorized <laughs> yes you absolutely it'll should it'll be my first and everyone seattle will trip out Oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> they'll trip because, yeah, you'll be you'll get up there and you'll just start rapping and people will be like, but where's the words? <laughs> you'll so, be a magician. I'm going to have to try it because I I, ha- I will have two days to kill and I'll need something to do and I've got to try it. So. Awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so like, it, it feels well, like in that era of music, there were things like Destiny's Child and all the boy bands that kind of just were like yes. sticky, sweet, adorableness. I think that even yes. if you have bad memories associated with it, you ended up loving these songs because yes. that, was, that was all that was, it seems like was coming out of 2000, like 99, totally. 2000. Everybody must have been really excited about the millennium. Y2K. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember the um, light, funky ones? They were the ones who did that. Andrew and Luke were just talking about it the other day. The um, <laughs> Summer Girls. You know, oh, I like LFO? girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love Summer Girls so much. I'm yeah. unapologetic about my love for that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was around that same time. So yeah. good. It was something about like those summers <laughs> yeah. were amazing. Like that's why we now have songs of the yeah. summers because of that era of music is like you have to have it. So Yep. Totally. <laughs> yep. <So> Word. <laughs> yeah. Do you know why three L W is called three L W? Oh, it stands for uh, three little women. Ah. Well, they did look yeah. s- like they were small people. 
So, oh yeah, I think they were like fifteen or so oh, when okay. that came out because that was, and that's even that figures into the rap even where she goes, "You promised me Kate Spade, but that was last year, boy, in the eighth grade." <laughs> <laughs> See, it's like expository dialogue. I love the reference to like putting (laughs) a quarter in the telephone. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's like they're probably the last generation that knows about that. Yeah, because I think like two, three years later, everybody ended up having to have a cell phone. like in case you get an accident. Oh, yeah. have one. And then somehow all of the phones disappeared. So Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I decided to throw way on back with my last song. Cool. Yeah. Um, had you heard Abba's Chikatita before? Oh, totally. Yes. Yes, I remember this from when it was originally out. Chikatita, tell me what's wrong. You're enchained by your own sorrow. gold album and there is even though it's disco and a lot of people like make fun of disco and i'm not really a huge fan of most disco abba has this sound that is so purely unique and i love this song because it's like it's about someone being really low and then kind of like striving and my dad would play it all the time 
And most of his music tastes were terrible because he really loved. <laughs> okay, well, this is where I've got hot takes. I don't like Bob Seger. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and so, and I'm not yeah. really a fan of Boston, but my dad loved ABBA as well. And I was just like, ah, I love ABBA. <laughs> this is something yeah. we can talk about. It's like, it's Phantom of the Opera and ABBA music all the way growing up and so my dad would like he had one of the big old boom boxes you know the big ones where the speakers detached from it do you remember those yeah yeah he had those and he had the cassette for it and then he got me the cd and it's just i would get ready every single morning to this song it's like okay we can do today today is going to be amazing and so, after, yeah. yeah, it's like after he passed, I like had this on repeat and I was like, oh, this is, you know, everything kind of feels terrible now, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think that's what's amazing yeah. about this song for usually Abba's not that deep <laughs> and yeah. the song actually right. felt really deep to me. And I was oh. like, we don't even know what happened with Chikatita either. It's like, it could have been a breakup. Right. I think it's a breakup, but it's like, she's like, okay, mm-hmm. something's wrong. You know, it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Sing a new song. So. Yeah. I just, I just think it's yeah. a little hopeful song. That's yeah. And yeah, I love that. And you can't really deny ABBA at all. Like, no. it's so good. <laughs> no, you really can't. So, but this song, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it gets played a lot on the oldie stations or anything because it's normally like Dancing Queen and, you know, Waterloo. And that will totally. always be, yeah, that will be what you grocery shop to is Waterloo. All the time. It's yeah. always Waterloo. Yes. <laughs> but yes. this song, it's like so good, even though it's on the gold. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a top hit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the overlooked ABBA hit. Totally. Yeah. It's either yeah. that or whatever the one is about, like, robbing houses about the cat burglar one. Oh. <laughs> There's a cat burglar one. <laughs> oh, crazy. I don't know. Did Chikatita make it into that, like, ABBA musical? I don't know. I remember it from like AM radio back in the 70s. Wow. It's like, yeah, I don't hear that one ever. And that's why I was just like, ah, this one. Yeah, right. I have a song. I love this one. And it's got these. It's got this fantastic flair that is not in a lot of their songs. Like there's a lot of layering yeah. and sounds to it. That makes me just so happy. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a nice one. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Yeah. And also. Makes you think of boom boxes for some reason. Totally. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Uh, we do have a message from Jason, which I guess oh, cool. uh, we'll listen to here. Hey, Amy. Hey, Phyllis. It's Jason in Jacksonville. I'm hanging out with Slam and Sam. Hello, guys. Tracy's here, too. Say hey, Tracy. Hey. She has checks mixed in her mouth. Um. Anyway, just wanted to tell you that my vacation is pretty awesome. It only um, started today, by the way. We've been floating in a pool, listening yeah. to summer hits in the 90s. Right, yeah. There was there was a lot of hip-hop. That's what the kids call it. And um, <laughs> I got a little sunburn, but just a strip on my back. Um, side note, Amy, he did wear sunscreen because we reapplied twice. Right, I, yeah. There there was lots of sunscreen. SPF 50. And And... We're going to say reapplied because that was three times total. So, yes, he's done good. We listened to your advice for once. <laughs> All right. Um, he hold down the fort. I hope Memphis doesn't burn down. 
We did listen to th- some Three Six Mafia today. We did listen to some Three Six yeah. Mafia today, and it was great. And I was doing some crunk dance in the pool, and it's a good time. That's about it. Um, it's only day one. Day one, yeah. Let's let's go drink and eat some pizza. Yeah, of course. Tomorrow, <laughs> brunch pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he I, li- I like the checks mix reference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And three six mafia, of course, because uh, Jason is always Memphis AF. I'm proud of him for leaving to, I guess, try. Uh, like he's in Florida, so he's a brave man. I think. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So he's in Jacksonville, <laughs> cool. Florida. Even though we're like just a little way down the road from Jackson, he's in Jacksonville, Florida, which is way farther away. Right. So and uh, ah yes, he's visiting his sister Sam, which he just met over the past six months for the first time. Oh, so, cool! Yeah, like he was adopted, and um, he kind of is meeting all of his siblings now. And you also did a story about meeting your siblings, didn't you? Yep, yep. Sweet <laughs> Phil from Sugar Hill, and yeah. one of those siblings just visited me, my sister, last week, and we were we definitely, um, you know, had a lot of good conversation about our dad and and just the whole family sitch. And Luke Burbank, um, host of one of our favorite shows, TVTL, <laughs> uh, went through a similar thing recently. So I and I'm glad he did, and um, you know, I I'm glad that. Jason is getting this opportunity. I think that it, it's something that serves to potentially expand your life in a really good way. So yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So, um, yeah. well, uh, I guess we're coming to the end of the show. Um, where can we find you, Phyllis, on the Twitter? Yeah, Phil Fletch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter on there, so hit me up. <laughs> I love Twitter. Um, also, the show is Pod. Or at E&D Pod. And yes. I'm at Madam Woolite on Twitter. And, of course, yeah. Jason is at the JV Guarantee if you want to send him hopeful GIFs. Or, um, actually, I think he'd appreciate vegan GIFs this week. So, go Ooh. ahead and send that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cool. Um, and then you can ask him why. Um, our Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our Facebook group is Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group, and you can always email the show at endpod at gmail.com. We are at endpod.com, part of the 10710 network, which, Phyllis, you show up on about every Friday. Which Friday do you show up on Little Red Bandwagon? First Friday of the month. First Friday, where you pick your favorite pick of that particular month in TVTL history, right? That's right. Yep. <laughs> um, you can yep. always call us at 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. And also remember to use our Amazon link, which is endpod.com slash Amazon. We get a few cents for our hosting and it really does help out. Now, Phyllis, you have the <laughs> final song because you're our guest, but I don't know why you oh, have this excellent. Song. <laughs> This is this is great. So this is a this is a Mike Frizzell bomb. Um, putting putting this song on the end was technically his idea, but I'm glad he thought of it. So uh, he knows that I'm a huge fan of the song "Easy Lover" by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins, and I had to think about what is it that I love about this song. So I love um, I love just the phenomenon of black guy white guy buddy songs, 
and the videos that go with those songs are hilarious and they're very much focused on like we're having a good time here right like i just love it's like kind of forced but it's also kind of based in the fact that they connect musically which they do they did a really good job um putting this song together and um and i've I've sung it karaoke, and it's harder than you think. <laughs> uh, it's pretty um, high. Like it's got a high yeah, it's, range. It's very high, and the harmonies are are actually like I think you have to actually sort of be good at music to nail these harmonies. So um, <laughs> I'm a fan of it, and I'm enough of a fan of it that I actually um, I became like semi obsessed with this song, and it's now the the alarm on my um on my iphone so like if i'm traveling for work um that is gonna come blasting out of my phone at about 6 a.m and um a lot of times i set it super early when i'm traveling and i hit snooze a bunch of times because i'm by myself and can do that without bothering anyone Mm -hmm. and so i'll hear like the beginning of this song which is like getting kind of punched in the ear like probably about six or seven times before i'm out the door yeah that's that's how much i love this song (laughs) well thank you so much for being on the show and i oh well thanks for having me exciting to have you and um i guess we're going to leave on uh, Easy Lover by Philip Haley and Phil Collins, which is amazing. So, thank awesome. you so much for being here. <laughs> oh, you're welcome.
here. Okay, it's back. I don't know what happened. That was that was really weird. So you're going to have to do some some magic there with your files. But um, yeah, <laughs> okay. 